Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that will help you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. Together, for you. Welcome to the second episode of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key, and I'm really happy that you're here joining me today. On today's episode, we're going to talk about what is the best way for you to eat to feel satisfied while you lose weight and then also maintain a weight loss long term. This is a controversial and at times confusing topic. Everywhere you look, there's another recommendation about what you should do to be losing weight and how you should do it and how quick it should happen. And everybody has their own opinion. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk to you about what my opinion is and give you the background as to how I got there. Uh, and then, you know, I think it's important if we're talking about a lifelong change for you to make up your own mind. And maybe that means that you'll need to do some more reading around this, or maybe you have a different opinion than me, and that's totally fine. A lot of what we're going to talk about on this podcast can be applied to however you're eating. But if you don't have strong opinions about how you should eat for your body, or if you haven't tried what I'm going to talk about, I really do encourage you to give it a go and see how you feel. This is not something I came to immediately or off the spur of thought. This is a philosophy that I actually originally started with some degree of resistance against due to our training through medical school and over time have come to a much better understanding of the science behind it and through practice with myself and experience of people I've worked with and my family, I have quite a solid belief in this way of eating working for a lot of people and being a very good option when you need to lose some weight or want to lose some weight. What I want for you when you're starting on a weight loss journey is to find a way of eating that's going to allow you to uh, be satisfied, uh, feel comfortable and happy with what you're eating and not feel deprived, and for it to be something that you truly can maintain for the rest of your life without a lot of struggle. And I think that's a really important piece to remember because often our brains will tell us little bits like we just need to eat this way to lose this amount of weight and then we can go back to eating all that other food that our brain would really like us to. But the reality is, is when you're losing weight, the way you eat to lose it will need to be the way you eat to maintain the weight loss. There is a small amount of room available to uh, add a little bit of wiggle space when you're maintaining a weight loss, but it really isn't that big of room. So what that means is having more discretionary food every single day would likely result in weight gain. It may be that when you're maintaining, you have a bit more space to have a bit of more discretionary food choices, maybe once a week without regaining the weight, but don't expect to be able to make big changes to your day-to-day eating. And so for me, I believe that this way of eating is eating using a lower carbohydrate and higher fat approach. And we're going to go into that 
in more detail in this episode as to why I think that's the case and go through some of the basic science and some of the basics about starting eating lower carbohydrate. Uh, But first, we're going to take a quick break. And now, quick break to review a disclaimer. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice, and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional, and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. And now back to the episode. And we are back. So this episode is not meant to be an exhaustive review of the literature about low carbohydrate eating. That's beyond the scope of this one. And we may get or we probably will get into more of the deeper science of it in future episodes. But what this one is meant to be is really just an overview and a discussion of how I came to this decision personally and professionally, uh, to help guide you. I think when you're looking in the media and online and in the various places that nutritional information is available for us, it's really easy to become overwhelmed. Everybody has an opinion and they have a very strong opinion and a lot of them are opposites. And it makes it really hard to figure out which way you should go. And honestly, the experience isn't that much difference when you try to dive into literature. And by literature, I mean like science journals. There are also opposing opinions in science journals. And when you start to dig in, I find it can get confusing on knowing which articles are actually good and can have decisions based on them. I think what all this confusion just reflects is the difficulty of nutritional science. So doing randomized control trials of nutritional interventions in humans is really difficult and extremely expensive. It's hard to control everything that humans put in their mouth, even when they're on a study protocol. And it generally would require the study providing them with all of their food, which then makes long-term studies to be quite expensive. So I think all we can do is we can look at what's available, we can look at our own personal experiences with what's been done before, and just make our best educated guess. I think more research will be coming, more of this will become clear further on. And just like everything in medicine, it's possible what we think now will totally change down the road. And that's okay. We just make our best choice with the best information that we have available right now. All right, so what is lower carbohydrate eating? So eating a lower carbohydrate diet means eating fewer sugars and fewer starches in your diet. It includes what's called keto and is very popular right now, but it also includes a range of amounts of carbohydrate in your diet. To eat lower carbohydrate, it doesn't mean you have to be eating a ketogenic diet though you can if that's what you prefer. Every person's body is different in how strict you need to be to get weight loss results or metabolic results such as improvement in diabetes. How strict you need to be on your carbohydrates will depend on a variety of factors, including how insulin resistant you are. I think it's also important that you include the amount of carbohydrates that you feel is sustainable for you for the long term. 
Now, I think it is important to note here that the amount of carbohydrates that feel sustainable now, if you've never eaten a lower carbohydrate way of eating, will likely actually be fairly high compared to what you feel is sustainable down the road. So I think a lot of us who have maintained a lower carbohydrate way of eating for years, what we eat now and what we consider to be higher carbohydrate days now is a lot less than what we did at the beginning. I remember when lower carbohydrate was first suggested to me, I nearly panicked about the idea of not having bread. I just couldn't understand what I would then eat. I I had no idea what my meals would consist of and how I could possibly order things at restaurants and things like that. Whereas now, all those things are really no big deal. And I honestly rarely think of bread unless it's like really good, crusty, warm bread. That's the type I'll sometimes decide to have some. But the average day-to-day bread holds no interest for me, nor does pasta. And that's just because my tastes have changed over the years. And I think some of that is part due to knowing how much better I feel when I don't eat those foods and knowing how much yuckier I feel if I do have those foods. And so it makes the decisions easier. Plus, I really like the food that I eat when I'm eating a lower carbohydrate diet. I find it tasty, delicious. I don't feel that I'm being deprived. I eat till I feel full and satisfied. And I move on and my appetite is so much more stable eating this way that it really makes it easy to maintain for me. Okay, let's talk some definitions, because words get thrown around out there a lot. And particularly the word keto is everywhere. It's in Costco, on multiple books. It's on Pinterest, it's on Facebook, it's everywhere. So let's talk about what some of these different words mean, and how to kind of apply them to your life. So the word keto is referring to a ketogenic diet. And that's a diet that's low enough in carbohydrates, that you're aiming for a state of nutritional ketosis. That means your body is producing ketones from breaking down your fat and you're using ketones as your predominant source of fuel for your body. Usually to be in the ketogenic range, you need to be quite strict with your carbohydrates, roughly around 30 grams per day, though this varies depending on person to person on what their level is that allows them to be in ketosis. So to put this into a bit of perspective, in order to maintain nutritional ketosis, you need to be careful with your carbohydrates to the point of being aware of your portion sizes of vegetables. So vegetables do have carbohydrate in them. And if you eat large portions, you can push yourself out of a state of ketosis by eating too much of these vegetables. So if you're aiming for a ketogenic diet, really there's not space for you to have little bits of sugary or floury type foods. Uh, They'll kick you out of ketosis and then it takes a bit to get back in. If you're wanting to be in ketosis, you have to be pretty strict with yourself, at least while you're losing your weight and then you can decide what you can tolerate to maintain it. The term keto comes in handy though, even if you're not aiming for a ketogenic diet, In that if you're looking for recipes and they say keto on them, they're going to be a good option no matter how 
low of carbohydrate you're aiming for. So even if you're not going for a full keto diet, those cookbooks in Costco or um, the online recipes for ketogenic different dishes are likely going to be reasonable ones for you to try. Okay, then a more moderate uh, low carb would be around 50 grams of carbohydrates per day. Again, that doesn't really allow for much breads or that sort of stuff. You can easily eat 50 grams of carbohydrates in breads or cereals very quickly without a big portion size. But it does allow for fairly liberal vegetables uh, and then meats and, and fats. And then a more liberal lower carbohydrate approach would be trying to keep your carbohydrates around 100 grams or less per day. Uh, just for reference sake, the average North American diet is more around 250 grams of carbohydrates a day. So even dropping it to 100 grams is a fair change. Uh, I think regardless of where you're trying to put yourself, the biggest targets to aim for first would be cutting out any added sugars in your diet. So that might be in the way of sweetened beverages, juice, pop, uh, iced cappuccinos, etc. And then focusing on cutting out really processed flours as your next thing. Processed flour, white flours tend to just turn straight into blood sugar when you eat them. Uh, there's not much fiber to buffer it. And so those are very good ones to take right off the top uh, if you're aiming to reduce your carbohydrate intake a little more gradually than just cutting everything out. All right, I want to talk about why this works. Because the whole idea of calories in minus calories out equals your weight loss isn't really true. It was never science-based in humans. It was math-based and laboratory based on how much energy does is a, an amount of food create when it's burned in a calorimeter. So what we're taught of, you know, you need to either change the energy going in or change the energy going out to create weight loss is very oversimplified and doesn't actually pan out. And you probably know this if you've ever tried to really reduce how much food you're eating and not seen weight loss, or if you've tried to keep your eating about the same but work out more and not seen weight loss. And that's because our bodies are pretty amazing and they can modify lots of things. And your body's biggest uh, goal in life is to not starve. Your body doesn't wanna die. It wants to survive. And so if you suddenly drop your calories, it thinks it's going to starve and it will change its metabolic rate. Or if you suddenly start exercising and expending a whole bunch of calories that it's not used to, it's going to modify either how much calories it lets you use during those energy or those exercise sessions, or it's going to increase your appetite hormones so you eat more afterwards or change your basal metabolic rate so you're not burning as much on the background. But it will modify things to avoid running through your stores too quickly. The thing your body hasn't caught up with is our North American environment, that there is food literally everywhere. Within a half block, almost of anywhere you are, you can go get some food. And a lot of that is highly energy-dense food that's highly easily processed by your body to get that energy out of it. Now, when we eat something that has a lot of simple sugars or processed carbohydrates in it, it creates blood sugar as it's processed. 
when we have more blood sugar in our system, our pancreas then produces more insulin. And this is all normal, and it's important for this system to work properly in your body. But I think it's also important to remember what the role of insulin is in your body. Insulin is a growth hormone, and its main role is to normalize your blood sugars. So the way it does that is it focuses on burning carbohydrate as the primary source of fuel when there's carbohydrate around. It tries to move the carbohydrate into your cells, and it will store carbohydrate in the liver and in the muscles as glycogen, Uh, But there's only about a day's worth space of storage in those places for glycogen. And so then the rest of it, it has to move and change into fat and then store in fat cells. So if you're eating a higher carbohydrate diet, your insulin levels are higher, your body uses a carbohydrate that it needs and that it can use right off the bat, it will store what it's able to, but that's not very much. And the rest of the extra energy that you didn't need that you ate will get turned into fat and stored in your fat cells. At the same time that it's doing this, the insulin blocks lipolysis. So it blocks the breakdown of fat cells for fat to be used as fuel. And this is because your body needs to burn the sugar for fuel because that's a higher priority. And the fat is considered to be more benign. It's sitting in storage. It's not harming anything there. And so your body will burn the sugar and not burn the fat while you're eating higher carbohydrates. It's important to note on this too, that even high fiber whole wheat complex carbohydrates do create a rise in your blood sugar ultimately. This happens more slowly than if you eat something really processed, but they also then do create an insulin rise and put you into this sugar burning state. In general, people with higher weights usually naturally have a higher insulin level than somebody that does not have uh, any weight issues. And this is true even if people don't have diabetes or other markers of insulin resistance that are readily measurable. So what's the result of this? What this means is that when you're eating the standard North American diet and you're following the food guide, with lots of complex carbohydrates, your body is generally in a sugar burning mode. That means that when you do eat a little bit too much, or you do eat some higher energy foods that have more carbohydrate plus fat in them, and eat more than what your body is able to burn in the moment, the extra gets stored as fat. And this explains that situation where it feels like the fat is just accumulating and it doesn't really make sense as to why it's coming so quickly. And then it feels so hard to get rid of it when you do try to eat a little bit less. The fat doesn't seem to disappear quite as quickly as it came on. Now if we switch to eating a lower carbohydrate diet, the main function of this is to lower your insulin levels. So when we reduce the amount of food that's creating blood sugar, coming in, our body then needs to produce less insulin to take care of it. We no longer have that priority of needing to burn off all this carbohydrate that we've consumed. And so we don't have to shut down the lipolysis cycle. We're not desperately trying to store extra energy in our fat stores. 
and we can more easily use our fat stores for fuel. And really, when you're losing weight, what do we really want to burn off? It's not that we're hoping to burn off our carbohydrate. We're wanting to burn off our stored fat. So eating lower carbohydrate lets you get into a fat burning state more readily, which then lets you use your own fat stores for any extra energy that you need that you didn't eat. The other things that happen when you make these changes is that you're not having the big fluctuations in your blood sugar throughout the day. That generally makes your cravings and your hunger more stable. You're eating enough fat where your body feels that it's getting a supply of food and doesn't seem to produce the same hunger hormones. If you're in ketosis, there seems to be an additional amount of appetite suppressant that happens uh, just from being in ketosis. Your energy levels tend to stay more stable. You don't get that slump in the afternoon. And what most people notice is once their body's flipped over to more of a fat burning or what we call fat ad- adaptation, they start losing weight more readily and particularly start to notice changes around their abdomen and abdominal weight area. It's worthwhile noting that for each person, how long it takes to become fat adapted varies. It'll vary on how much carbohydrate you're eating, how many times you're kind of slipping back to older ways of eating, and just your body, how insulin resistant it is, and how easily it can switch over. So for some people, it does take a bit before they're fat adapted and before they start noticing the weight come off. Some people may go weeks without noticing weight start to drop, whereas other people drop it really quickly. And both of these are fine. It Again, this is not about a short-term sudden change that'll be a miracle diet. This is about finding a way of eating that's going to give you a feeling of lifelong control over your weight. This way of eating also has evidence as a therapeutic tool for treating metabolic disease such as type 2 diabetes, PCOS, and other conditions where insulin resistance is at the core of it. And again, this particular episode is not meant to go into all that research, but down the road in other episodes, I hope to have some experts on and stuff that we can go a little bit deeper into the science behind it. It is important, though, to note that if you have diabetes and you're on any blood sugar lowering medicines that have a risk of hypoglycemia, so too low of blood sugars, if you're making a change suddenly to your diet, your blood sugars can drop very quickly. So often medications like insulin or sulfonylureas need to be adjusted quite quickly. And so I would recommend not making sudden changes to your carbohydrate intake until you've had a chance to talk to your doctor and arranged how your medications are going to be titrated. All right, so let's talk about what this actually looks like in a life. I have a lot of people that get really worried about making big changes and find it a bit overwhelming to think about changing everything that they're eating. And I think it's really important to not let this be too complicated. I think it's fantastic that there's so much stuff online right now for low carb. It makes it easy to find any recipe you could want. But the flip side of that is it can make it overwhelming. It can make it feel like you have to be making all these new recipes 
in order to be eating lower carb. And that just simply isn't true. Most of what you eat lower carb can probably already be found in your house. In general, when you're eating a lower carbohydrate diet, you want the focus to be on eating real food as much as possible. What I mean by real food is food that is whole, that you can identify all the ingredients in, and that very little of it comes out of a package. And I really think that a good portion of the health benefits from eating lower carbohydrate is because you don't have the same processed options when you switch to this way of eating. So you have to eat real food. And I think that on its own has a lot of health benefits. Whatever real food you choose to eat, eating food that your body can recognize is healthy and better than eating food that comes in a package. I think there's additional benefits to eating lower carbohydrate because of what it does to your metabolism and how your body uses fuel. And that's what I think we manipulate a little bit to help with the weight loss side of things. But in general, just by eating more whole foods, you're giving benefit to your body. So eating lower carbohydrate generally means cutting out added sugars, starches, flour, rice, grains, cereals, fruit and fruit juices, and anything with added sugar or starch. So that would be like breading on meat. And also generally foods that have higher starch in them naturally, such as potatoes, carrots, and below ground vegetables are limited. I think like everything, things are on a continuum. So it's important not to just say all carbohydrates are bad and should never be touched because a potato chip is very different from a carrot. Sure, if you eat lots of carrots in a day, that may impact your weight loss. But if you're changing from eating potato chips and you occasionally like to have some carrots, I think that's totally fine. Same with beans like uh, black beans or pinto beans. Again, if you're going from eating a lot of pasta and rice and you sometimes just want to include some black beans in your meals, yes, it's a little bit higher in carbohydrate, but I think it's still a better choice than what you may have been having before. And again, we're trying to make this work for you for your life. And so finding little things like that that make you feel happy and satisfied, but are better choices than what you may have made in the past are good, uh, good options and good roots of making this way of eating yours. And so what do we eat? Well, we eat proteins, which include both meats and uh, eggs and non-vegetarian sources of protein. It includes eating vegetables, mainly more above ground vegetables, and adding whole fats until you feel satisfied. And what I mean by whole fats are fats that haven't been processed. So choosing butter instead of margarine. Other sources of fat would be olive oil, avocados, uh, fat in your food like skin on your chicken or fat on your beef or pork, uh, butter, cream, cheese, salad dressings made with a good quality oil. If you are buying salad dressings over the counter, make sure that you check sugar contents because a lot of bottled salad dressings have added sugar. Eating a lower carbohydrate, higher fat approach 
means trying to eat intuitively. So eating when you feel hungry and stopping when you feel full. And if you're approaching this from having been eating a North American diet, that may seem really hard to do. Uh, When you're eating a lot of carbohydrates, your hunger signals are generally ramped right up. And so the idea of recognizing when you're full may seem a little bit foreign. I know it did for me. Um, Whereas once you've switched over and your body's gone through the process of switching what fuel it's using, satiety signals seem to be a lot more clear. I remember before I was eating lower carbohydrate, my satiety signals felt more like just a little whispered suggestion that maybe it could be time to stop. And it really didn't bother me to eat beyond it and sometimes felt like I still should. Whereas when I'm eating lower carbohydrate, the satiety signal is a lot more clear. It is more like hitting up against a wall where I just would not want to eat past it because I would feel uncomfortable. So remember to keep it simple and it really can just be as simple as making the same proteins that you would normally make make the same vegetables you would normally make. Don't make the starch or choose not to eat the starch if you make it for other people. And then add a fat to your protein or to your vegetables to keep yourself satisfied. Uh, Eggs are a great option for breakfast if you like them. Salads are a great option as long as you add protein to them and you add fat. This isn't meant to be like a low-fat salad. It's meant to be a salad that actually satisfies you until your next meal. When you switch over to a lower carbohydrate way of eating, you kind of have two options. One is to do it gradually, or one is to just rip the bandaid off. So if you do it gradually, what I would recommend is that you pick a meal, cut the carbohydrates out of that meal, and then once that feels comfortable, pick another meal and keep uh, progressing through your day. Right off the top, though, I would suggest trying to cut out your added sugars. Um, If you rip the Band-Aid off, you probably will have some days that feel uncomfortable. Your brain is used to running on carbohydrates. It really likes sugars because it gives your brain a bit of a dopamine hit, and your brain recognizes sugar as being something that's going to keep you from starving. Um, And so good to consume to prevent starving in our next famine. Um, Like I said, your brain hasn't caught up to what our environment has done. Our evolution hasn't changed, but our environment has changed quite a bit. So you may experience some withdrawal and you may experience some carbohydrate cravings where it really feels that you need to have some carbohydrate. In those moments, just eat something with some more fat, some more protein. Make sure you're not hungry. You don't want to feel deprived during these days. And just recognize that this is something that will pass. It's your brain going through a bit of withdrawal, it gets over it and it feels better on the other side. There is something that people talk about called the keto flu, and we'll talk about that more in our next um, session or next episode. But the really what the keto flu is, is being dehydrated and not having enough salt. So drinking something like broth through the day or having some electrolyte replacement, adding some more salt to your food, drinking more fluid, all that will help the keto flu, which keto flu is feeling headachy, muscle cramps, kind of achy, tired, unwell. And it's really just due to shifts of fluid and electrolytes from lowering your insulin levels um, and changing what you're eating. In a few days, all of this settles down. Usually about three days, things start to get better. 
I think it is also worthwhile mentioning, and we'll talk about this in far more detail in future episodes, is if carbohydrates have been your coping mechanism for dealing with emotional stress or negative emotions or feeling tired, uh, worried, sad, etc., when you suddenly take them away, that's going to feel uncomfortable because you're taking away your coping mechanism. And so it's worthwhile before you make a sudden change to spend a little bit of time thinking about how you're going to cope when something bad happens in your day or if you're feeling a little bit sad. What are other things other than the food that you can do to make yourself feel better? Because otherwise it just feels a little bit, for some people, like the carpet got pulled out from underneath them emotionally when they make a big change. The other thing to be aware of if you're doing the cold turkey approach is you will pee out more magnesium due to some changes that happen from the insulin, etc. And so taking a magnesium supplementation is suggested, taking it once or twice a day. You also do pee out more salt and potassium. And so eating leafy green vegetables will help replace the potassium. Adding a bit more salt to your food helps replace the extra sodium that you lose. All right, so that's about it for the basics behind lower carbohydrate eating. Next episode, I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Miriam Burchuk, who's an anesthetist in Calgary and has a few years of experience eating lower carbohydrate herself and has a lot of knowledge. And we're going to just do a discussion together to talk about our best, most practical tips for somebody starting out with lower carbohydrate eating. If you're enjoying this podcast, please remember to subscribe so you get all the new episodes delivered directly to your inbox. I would really appreciate it if you would go on to iTunes and leave me a review. It'll help this podcast get found. And remember, if this is difficult stuff for you and you feel that you would benefit from some one-on-one support, I'm available to help you with that and I'd be happy to do so. Head on over to the website at www weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca and click on the work with me page. From there, you can book a free introductory session where we just get on the phone and chat for about 20 minutes just to find out what you need and what I might be able to help you with. Also, if you check out the website on the first page, there's a downloadable PDF of my top 10 tips for long lasting weight loss. So head on over and download that to check it out. All right, I will see you in the next episode, episode number three, and have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you later. Bye.